Hello, and welcome to Bobby and Yen's presented by Zwift. One thing I'm thankful for is still being able to train with friends on Zwift any time of the day. Being motivated by the massive community means there's always someone to ride with and new locations to explore. Like the new Japanese-inspired Makuri Islands and my personal favorite route, the Mega Pretzel on Watopia. Riding with friends makes the training easier and they always know how to push me. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Bobby and Jens. Um, we are very blessed to have Jens with us today because he spent a little bit of time over here in the USA and just got back straight direct onto a family holiday. He remembered to bring his podcast recording equipment. So, uh, Jensy, how's the jet lag treating you, buddy? Well, my friend, I really have to say, I do have a jet lag from hell. I can hardly keep my eyes open. I had one of these overnight flights leaving Chicago at 4 p.m., fly overnight, be at 7 a.m. in Frankfurt, Germany, got to stay awake to get my connection flight to Salzburg in Austria. Then uh, my wife picked me up at the airport straight to the first tennis match with my daughter. Um, I'm naked, man. I'm absolutely naked. So I can't wait to, you know, Get everything finished, have a shower, and jump into bed. I'm going to sleep like a baby. Well, you deserve it. You deserve it. It looked like you had a lot of fun over here in the U.S. and glad that you made it home. Um, so, yeah, let's just jump into our, our guest today. Um, hey, listen, I think we all sit on our couches watching race after race, often in awe of how often a team like Dequinic Quickstep wins and how often they win. Uh, we all know that they have an amazing plethora of talent like Mark Cavendish, uh, world champion Julian Alaphilippe, Remco Evenepoel. And um, yeah, I'm going to give a little shout out to our Bobby and Jens alumni, Joao Almeida and Michael Markov as well. Um, but what goes on behind the scenes and what makes this organization so successful year after year? Um, you may have seen his face from time to time in the background at the races or in the team bus, but you probably don't know his name. Today, we sit down with Ricardo Scheidecker, Technical and Development Director currently at Decoin at Quickstep. Both Jens and I have worked with him in the past, and we're going to get a little bit of an inside scoop on what the inner workings of Decoin at Quickstep are really like. So get comfortable and hope you enjoy our chat with Ricardo. Okay, so often we see Decoyna Quick Step on the top step of the podium. Quite often, actually, this year they won 65 races. We know about the amazing talent that they have there, but today we're going to be speaking with Ricardo Scheidecker from Decoyna Quick Step. And he is the technical and development director there. So, Ricardo, it's been a long time, but uh, welcome to Bobby and Jens. Thanks, guys. It's really great pleasure to be here with you, Bobby and, and, and Jensi. 
really looking forward for these chats. And uh, Ricardo, on a personal note, it's good to catch up with you because we already worked together in the year 2011 with the team uh, Leopard, right? The Luxembourgish team. So, yeah, we go back a while now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is built uh, from scratch, that team. And you were uh, one of the road captains, uh, Jens. Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm actually... Very lucky to to have crossed paths with you and also with Bobby because later on we we worked together in Tinkoff and it was yeah it was great to to have you uh, in my in my in my working professional life which afterwards became also a, I would say friends uh, distant because of our probably our you know different paths but uh, I consider you guys good friends and it was uh, absolutely great to be to be chatting with you. <clears throat> So, so um, yeah, like you said, uh, you've worked with the ends together. You've, we've worked together as well. Um, you know, you've worked at the UCI and some of the biggest teams uh, in the past and currently hold the, the role of technical and development director at Dakota Quick Step. But you didn't just get there because it was a job. You have a passion for cycling and you have a pretty cool story. So tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself, because I don't think that many people know what you look like, or maybe not even your name. You're always in the background. I mean, I see you, Yen sees you, you know, everyone in the in the know sees you, but you keep a very low profile. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your passion for cycling. Yeah, I, I have no past in the family, um, but I saw Tour of Portugal on television when I was 12, 13, just got... Uh, in love with the with the bike, the bike was the let's say the object that attracted me. And then, I mean, I come from a humble family. My, I, I thought that I could never race because it was just too expensive to have a bike. And my father, uh, he did a massive effort after a few years of you know with this uh, impossible dream. He did a massive effort to buy me a frame. I don't know, I don't remember, but I was able to get some parts. And finally, in um, 1990, I started racing and I raced for seven years and it were great years of my life. I raced until the 23 category. And uh, when I was junior, I thought I could actually become professional one day, but then it didn't happen. And um, and then I, I loved the bike. I, I started as a mechanic on a very small team in uh, in Portugal. And I was also uh, worked passed to the Portuguese Federation. So I started to travel around Europe with the with the kids uh, like uh, Paulinho, you all know uh, silver medal in uh, in Tour de France stage winner um, and uh, it's like uh, a younger brother for me and um, and I was a mechanic for a couple of years then I worked in the offices there and this was until 2000 then I left cycling for for five years and I worked in in spirits uh, business in the marketing and uh, commercial departments of a couple of companies that was a massive experience for me uh, on the real world, as I call it, <laughs> because, you know, when you live your dream and you are working in cycling, you just don't feel it as a job. After in Portugal, uh, until 2005, I was invited to, to come back to cycling and to work on the, on the organization of the Tour of Portugal. It was a quite interesting company because they also had the organization of an ATP WTA tennis event. Um, by then, I had also experienced at that level. And then afterwards, there was a post in UCI after three years there, and I, I launched my, I sent my CV, and uh, Alan Roof, by then the World Tour Manager, World Pro Tour Manager, he, he called me for an interview, 
And all of a sudden, I, I was picked to go to Switzerland. And it was almost two years of, uh, of great, uh, great experience, seeing a different, uh, seeing cycling from a different perspective. Um, uh, and, then, and, then, and then the Luxembourg project came. That's when I meet Jens and the team. And it was just, well, I was lucky or it was good that the experience of the UCI helped me a lot because I, I had to take care of all the administration of the team. In the beginning, I thought that I was invited by Brian Egard. And, um, and it was uh, really from the first screw, you know, until the last derailleur, we, we had to take care of everything. And it was, uh, it was a massive experience. A lot of nights without sleeping, uh, a lot of white hair growing. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was my, I would say, uh, my kickoff in the, in the teams. And, um, and then, yeah, I had to... I leave the experience of the fusion between Radio Shack and, and Leopard, and that was also a massive experience experience within the experience. But then afterwards, I didn't identify myself anymore with the project. I felt sorry to leave Jens, uh, Fabian, uh, the brothers, the Schleck brothers, which for me is people that uh, also mark my life, which I really appreciate. And other friends um, that uh, from the relationships we build up there. Um, and, I, and I had the luck... Uh, don't ask me how to, to cross paths with Bjarne, which was someone that I knew, but we're not friends. We just, you know, see each other in the few meetings, also met when I was at UCI. I don't know, he did that this intuition. He needed someone to take care of the technical uh, department of the of the team. And he just uh, offered me a job in the middle of the season. <laughs> I think I joined in 1st of June. And this is quite, quite exceptional, as you all know. So sometimes I, yeah, I just think that things are written somewhere and uh and he gave me an opportunity and uh and this is also a very important person for me um he will always be a friend um and yeah and then then i learned also a lot uh was it's always a learning process at the end life <laughs> is all about and um i just uh yeah i just said we had just great years then oleg uh, came bought the team things things were different after that Bjarne in the meantime left it was tough uh, but we kept going and the project finished in 2016 I had to resign a few months before because yeah it was also again I didn't identify myself with certain uh, with certain decisions and um, you know it's just I stick to my principles and uh, let's say I, I had to leave a few few months before it closed down and then another <laughs> Another person uh, crossed my, my, my life, or I crossed his life, which is Patrick Lefebvre, which is actually the only person I send my CV. And I told him if I, um, I wrote him a message, uh, no Patrick, for many years, we had a few chats, but also like Bjarne, we, you know, it's not that we spend all this time together. And I sent my CV to him and told him, uh, Patrick, actually, if to stay in cycling, I think you're the only team I, I think I can work um, with all the respect for everybody, of course. And he, after a month, he replied back saying, Ricardo, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sorry for this delay, but are you still interested in this? He said, By the way, yes. <laughs> so I flew in two days, I flew to Belgium, we shook hands. And, uh, and it was, uh, yeah, it's, this is the company I work most of the time now after, uh, after the end of this season. It's five years that I'm here and I just love to be in this team. I love this group. Uh, I'm very appreciated to Patrick and I told this a few times, rare, 
publicly um, that he has my loyalty and as far as you want me at his side, I will stay. So, um, so fundamentally, that's it. Now that we, we know a little bit about your life, um, tell our viewers, like, maybe on an example, what exactly is your job? Like, like what, what exactly do you order the bikes? You make sure the riders get paid. You make sure taxes are paid. You make sure the petrol is in the team bus. Or what exactly, like, is, is your, uh, your job? I'm a, I'm a sports manager at the end. Uh, it's, it's, uh, the team is quite simple uh, structure. Um, Patrick is the CEO. Then we have three departments, administrative and finance. The CFO is uh, Gert Koeman. Um, Alessandro Tinieri takes care of, uh, is the director of um, communications and marketing, and then the sports department, which I am the responsible. So it's a bit different. Uh, let's say that um, it's more responsibilities than I had in Tinkoff, which I end also in, in, uh, in Leopard, where um, it was fundamentally the technical side and I was not involved on the, on the sports strategy um uh let's say uh side of the of the of the team which now yes i mean today uh, we just finished our team meeting and that's also why um i'm sorry <laughs> i mean we're just uh, catching up here to to join you um where we met all the riders we debriefed with with them the season we catch up with the we met the, the new ones um try to explain a bit what who we are we we had a celebration yesterday And uh, we are ready to to kick off, and all this coordination at the end this is my responsibility. And uh, with with my my great colleagues, uh, I think we have a fantastic team. Um, November is the the moment to start looking at the race calendar, race program. We arrive to December. Everyone goes home after the camp with a plan until until July. Carry on. That's that's what I find so intriguing. Is you know you guys battled the entire season. Um, last count, 65 wins. So very often you go on and there's at least one win per weekend, sometimes two. If you guys have a three race program, there's even three in the same weekend. And then right as the last races are over, normally you would think that, okay, everybody needs a break. Everyone needs to go off and just kind of forget about cycling for a while. But a lot of teams do get together, like you guys just finished up, and have kind of like one last set of meetings to what? To, to celebrate the success of the season, to bookend the year, and to really put into a plan already for next year before these guys even take off on vacation. Is that correct? Yeah, let's say that we, we hear... I mean, the debrief uh, is, is exactly that. We hear what the riders have to say about their season. It's important that they are conscious. Uh, and, and, and if they're not, you know, um, we try to, to, to help them to also make that analysis. And it's also fundamental to understand what they want to do for next season. And I think it's good to do that before they switch off. Um, because uh, the race environment is very fresh and, um, and we just totally on it um, and um, and with those with that input then we have the time to not bug anyone during the month of November to start draft um, the major the major lines of the program it requires a lot of debate and you guys know uh, Bob I remember you we, we do this uh, together I assist you guys um, doing this uh, during the the winters of um, 14 and 15 and um, Uh, I actually enjoy a lot to do that because, uh, I mean, what you said about the success, 
uh, the race program is something that is uh, is crucial for that. And everything that is uh, depending on the race program goes uh, um, uh, consequently. At the end, you define the objectives, you define uh, um, the race program of each rider, and everything that is preparation, and you also know exactly what I'm talking about, just turns around that. I think our key... Uh, a key element on this it's we are quite flexible also you know we don't stuck to, we're not stuck to a plan if we already understand before it goes on that it won't work because of rider shape or for whatever reason and that flexibility i think allows us to be at the starts of the races with the riders ready and and this is um in my opinion, something that we, we of course, uh, uh, put a lot of effort and energy because I always say um, uh, it's all, it's all um, everything turns around the program. Everything turns around that. And the riders, you know, get them motivated, balanced program, rest periods, you know, uh, structured. You know, it's a word that I like a lot, structure. <laughs> and I think that's... Uh, that's uh, that's a major a major factor. So by the time the season comes, all riders have a schedule for racing until the classics. July. Ju until July. July, July. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, of course, like you just said, they try to follow it as close as possible. If there's any crashes or mishaps, then you gotta adjust it. And um, yeah. do the riders understand? Do they sometimes come to you and go, wow, I never had it like this before? The riders are happy with that? Or they feel like, oh, I, I can't move anywhere. Everything is already dictated and everything is already planned until July. The riders, they, they like it, they appreciate it, or they feel, oh, this is too close, this is too much uh, information for me. No, no, no. I, the, I, I never had a rider saying that uh, it's too much. Actually, um, the riders appreciate that. Appreciate also knowing that if there's opportunities, because you know, uh, when you when you with you you draw the effectives, you also draw the reserves, and it's impossible to have 30 riders, uh, uh, let's say, with the program that they dream of. That's the topic. So. That's been said, um, we try to have this balanced in a way that the riders, even though some races they're not able uh, at, to be on the effective list immediately, they will may have an opportunity if something happens and they know about the flexibility. And, um, and uh, uh, as I said, we, we try to have... That balance that even though it's not the dream of program, it's as close as possible to that because the motivation of the riders is something that is fundamental for success. Well, one thing that, that I have just uh, been in awe over is the, the wolf pack mentality. Um, we hear Brian Holm talk about it, Mark Cavendish, you know, like the, the guys that you have on the roster are just superstars. And of course, they all want to win. You have multiple sprinters, multiple uh, classics guys, multiple this, multiple that. Um, what is that secret sauce behind the Wolfpack mentality? Because when you get that many guys that are that talented, 
with that much um, desire to win themselves, but then always seem to kind of stick together. Um, Jens and I at CSC, we had, we didn't call ourselves the Wolfpack, but we had a very similar sort of feeling with, you know, Stuart and Fabian and the Schleck brothers and, you know, all the great riders that we had there. But what is it that you can put your finger on or is it an intangible that makes the team function the way that it does with, and then call themselves the Wolfpack? <laughs> um, <laughs> that nickname, you know, at the end of the day is, uh, yeah, it's a nice label, but it's, it's quite a simple thing. It's the team victory that counts. It's not the individual victory that counts. And the riders have that um, absorbed since they start here. They understand. And there's some, if they don't understand immediately, we help them to understand because they know that they will all, they will <clears throat> all have their opportunity at a certain point. They have to have the will for that for that opportunity because not every rider is a killer in a, in a good sense of course um but when you race aggressively and you again don't repeat myself you also know what that means you too because of what you just said uh, bobby um it's a it's an attitude that is labeled wolfpack this fundamentally an attitude it's the way of racing even, I mean, there's no race we start without a plan to fight for victory. Even if it's hard, like in Dauphine this year, where for several reasons our team was not a climber's team because it was not possible to bring a specialist team there. But every day we tried to fight as much as possible. And even on harder stages, we had riders trying to be in contention for victory. We know that will be very difficult, but the spirit is that every single uh, meeting. So it's not rocket science. It's all about attitude. That's, uh, that's my perspective of this. And this is something that I understood when I arrived here. And that has an impact also on the creation of the program, as I said before, because you cannot be at the start without riders ready. And that can happen, but it's rare, I must say. With us, I think it's rare. If you want to get more out of your free time, sign up to Outside Plus. For less than a dollar a week, you can get a hard copy of Valley News magazine, choose two books a year from VeloPress, Access all the premium content from the whole outside family, including Yoga Journal, Peloton Magazine, and Backpacker. And that's not all. There are discounts of the hottest gear and biggest events, as well as virtual health and fitness courses. It's $350 of value every year in one $99 subscription. But if you head to valuenews.com slash outsideplus, and enter Bobby Jens 25, all one word, lowercase, at checkout. You'll receive our special 25% discount and you make a good deal great.
And now back to our chat with Ricardo. So Ricardo, now we're gonna put you on the line here. When you guys signed Mark Cavendish last year, were you ready to sign him a program until the Tour de France? Or did you go, well, maybe I give him a program for a month and then we see how it goes? Like, how much belief do you had in this decision? Uh, could you see uh, the potential is there? We all have no doubt about that. He was world champion. He, or he did win many, many stages at the Tour de France. Did you see that coming again? I must say for myself, I was sure he's going to have a good year. But I was not expecting him winning four stages at the Tour to being so good. So how did you do that miracle? And what was your first initial thought when you heard, we're going to sign Mark Cavendish? I, I remember that day. Uh, Patrick gives me a call. I'm in my uh, small office there in front of my computer. And he says, Ricardo, I have a new for you. Uh, maybe you're not going to be happy. But I just got calf. <laughs> <laughs> I said to him, you know what, Patrick? I felt you're going to say that to me. And actually, it's a damn good idea. And, you know, I'm, I never met Mark. Actually, I met him once. Uh, in the, I met him only once in Milan Sanremo that he crashed against the, against the side, the, the side oh, I am, uh, yes. in the middle of the road, close, mm -hmm. close to Poggio. And then, you know, Saba and him, Sabatini, they're good friends. And uh, I, was, I was bringing Saba home and we were supposed to bring Mark. And uh, poor Mark, he crashed. We waited like four hours in the hospital for him. And then we left at eight o'clock. He said, okay, Mark, jump in the car. And then I, I dropped both home. He was fine. And that was the first time I met him. And, um, and, uh, and I never spoke with him after that. We'd salute each other. But I just said, um, you know what? I actually like these challenges. And uh, Patrick also, uh, he did that a few times. Um, and I just said, you know, this is this this can you know can be a, a tremendous story. If we're not able, we're not able. If he's not able, he's not able. I mean, it is what it is. But if he's able, that's going to be gigantic. And being able is for me in that moment winning a race. That was it. If he wins a race, you know, we just target it, and 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 all the rest is just credit. Now, we had to have him a program um, where most of the program was done. And, uh, and, and we had to work, I would say, hard and, and intelligently, I would say, to not blow everything up, but still to definitely give him opportunities. And, and Mark was, had bad luck also, because in February last year, we had races where he was supposed to race Algarve, and the race was cancelled. And then everything started to be cancelled. We had to organize camps in Girona, I remember. So it was tough. It was tough to, to get races for him, but not only for him, also for, for the rest of the team. Um, and I must say, it's one of the few times I said, damn, I wonder if, you know, there was people already racing um, and we're not, we're not racing yet because, you know, we decided to go to the races that were cancelled, which is, you know, uh, which is bad luck at the end. But still, we, 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 when, we, when we start racing, we start winning. I remember Ballerini uh, wins for first stage in Provence, and, and then it, it, you know, it kicked off quite good. And also, Mark started racing in the meantime. He just told us, I mean, if you guys have a 
a spot in the Belgian races, semi-classics, I would love to do that. That's his only request. So whatever it comes, I'm fine with that. And and so we did. And we gave him that opportunity in those semi-classics in Belgium. And he started to perform. You know, we start to see that he was there. He was there in the mix. He was there in the fights. And um, and we couldn't, we understood that he was competitive again. And um, at the end, it was him who brought himself back. You know, it was his motivation, as I said before. That's crucial. And um, I think uh, um, uh, when you hit the bottom, you know, when you hit the bottom or when you come from scratch, you will always value what you have in um, probably in the right way. And he valued the fact that he was with a team that care about him, that consider him, that took care of him, gave him all the conditions that he needed. And he, he was humble to not ask, but even I remember he had to change the handlebar. And uh, and uh, and we were just uh, launching some new handlebars from, from Specialized, and uh, they, we didn't have many. And there was one rider with it, and he was the second one. You know, it's just a vote of trust. We trust you. You know, I remember we were in camp in December, and this, this happened. So all that um, probably, you know, gave him that little bit of motivation. And the rest, it's him and his talent and the will to train. I think uh, Vazi is, is uh, Vazilis is his coach, um, which is, of course our our, our colleague. Uh, our riders are all coached by by, by team coaches. He, he, they they did also they connect and um, and that was you know great and and then things happened and opportunities happened and uh, and again as I said before some stuff probably is written somewhere because if you ask me uh, if if this would happen. I would say <laughs> you, you, you're drunk or what? And when we are going to Tour of Belgium and we had to put him in Tour of Belgium because, you know, Sam, all of a sudden he has this injury very late. We informed us really late uh, and we were just, okay, what we have to do? We, we, you know, we had to ask the organizer and then the UCI for Mark to participate and, uh, and uh, the organizer were great in, in, in having him, um, Opening the exception, and I, I said this to my colleagues, you know, it's, if, if there's a problem with Sam, Mark is our only shot to go to the Tour with a sprinter. So we have to make him race through Belgium. Until the moment that someone stops us uh, uh, to make him race, we have to try everything. And then the morning after, on the first day, he just flew with an helicopter. He came, he came to the start, and it's just a, a, an amazing story. And he started and then I also told my colleagues, guys, if he wins a stage, he's in the ball game. Let's uh, let's see what happens. And then he wins the last stage. And then, then I must say, I was completely blown away because he beat uh, elite sprinters. You know, the best were there. And then, and then, yeah, and then just kept training uh, as to race. We kept uh, under trying to understand what was Sam's condition. Unfortunately. Uh, we gave uh, Sam, you know, all the trust and we thought that, you know, he would still be able to come. But unfortunately, he wasn't and he didn't train and all that um, happened. So it was completely impossible for, for him to resume, uh, to start the Tour de France. And then we had to pick Mark. He gave us all the positive signs to take that decision. And I, I, yeah, I think it was unanimous and... Um, and then he started. And then when he won the first stage, I say everyone was crying. Patrick said this publicly, and it really 
like this, everyone was crying. It was, yeah, it was super emotional. And uh, that, that, the, those priceless emotions is something that uh, I always thank the riders every season for what they give to us because, as I said before, I work in real life for five years and you don't have this. You know, we are lucky to work in sports and, and this is, uh, yeah, I have goosebumps if I think about it. So that's the way. And Mark, I mean, back. I mean, so many riders on your team had amazing victories, but to me, Cavendish winning, uh, coming back, being, you know, having that trust, um, going both ways, trust with the team, the team trusting him was definitely the, the story of the year. Um, if you go back before we were Bobby and Jens, we were called put your socks on and episode 68 with my old, um, co-commentator Gus Morton, we had Mark Cavendish on, and this was well before this was when Mark was pretty much in his, maybe just coming out of his dark time. And a lot of stuff didn't make it onto the podcast, but we did talk about the opportunity of, Hey, Mark, I know you, you know that team, that team knows you, like, man, you need to find a way to get there. And just the way that he got there and, you know, trust and confidence is a very finicky thing in this sport. And just something like you just mentioned of giving him that handlebar that only one other guy had on the team probably just was just enough to make his hair on his arm stand up and say, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm back. I'm, I'm with my boys again. I'm a member of the Wolfpack. This is going to be great. But, you know, with Mark, you saw the talent. We know the talent. The history's been there. But one of the, the biggest strengths of your team, of your organization, and you've got, you know, some great directors. I mean, Brian Holm is a legend. Tom Steeles, Wilfred Peters, um, you know, you guys got a good kind of talent scout way, but how do you guys consistently find that new talent, that new kid, bring him into a Belgian team and then develop him into a champion like Casper Asgreen, like Julian Alaphilippe. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Um, that, that's, uh, that's, uh, we just use our network. We use our network. We try to um, be under the radar as much as possible. Then we, we, uh, you, you mentioned the directors, uh, Bramati is, is also, I mean, every, every director of the team is, is very competent, but um, we have the directors also looking into this, our coaches looking into, into the riders. And then, uh, and then, we start to follow them. We invite them to our training camps. We we give them support if they need technical support. Uh, normally, TT bikes if they cannot use if they need a, a road bike also. Um, and um, and we try to we try to uh, uh, yeah uh, um, care about them. Not all, not all of them end up um, end up coming. Uh, but um, I think the riders want to come, you know. Uh, it happens with Almeida. He, I knew he, he, he wanted to come desperately to this team. He, he did two camps with us. Um, he was so happy. And, um, and we gave him an opportunity. And, um, 
And uh, of course, there's a lot of, you know, we're talking about human beings. Um, there's nothing more difficult to manage than people. Uh, numbers and products and machines is quite, you know, quite straightforward. But people, it's everything. Everyone is different. And from the scouting, as you say, until hiring, there's, it's not, I mean, we, we uh, luckily or not, or bravery, we spot on with, with, with kids, even kids that are also them under the radar, they don't, they don't necessarily win, but we believe they have potential. And then I think that when they arrive, they found that, they found the motivation. We said about Mark, but it's also true that I think I can say that every rider of this team feels um, supported, cared, and uh, listened, and um, and uh, we give our best to to give them everything they need to perform, from the younger to the more experienced. And I think, uh, yeah, we, we we as I said before, it's uh, sometimes we also do some wrong bets. It happens. But doesn't happen much, and uh, I think this is—it's not to talk good about ourselves, but um, but probably we we probably do some good job. And as I said, people is the most difficult thing to manage. Successful companies are the ones that get the best out of their people. And as I said before, to get the best out of their people, you have to give them conditions, you have to give them motivation, and you have to drive them also because. It's not always, you know, perfect and people sometimes need some guidance to get back on track. And uh, as far as you are constructive and you show leadership and leadership doesn't mean being the front, showing off means, you know, giving the example. That's why I prefer to be in the backstage and uh, having a chat with two good friends here, but not be in the spotlight because that's definitely not my cup of tea. Um, but that, I think this is uh, all about our uh, our success and trying to keep things simple. Uh, cycling is a beautiful sport. Technologically, the industry is so advanced. It's just fantastic. But at the end, it's all about pedaling, two wheels on the roads and, um, and racing, racing, which I think that's what we like to do. And I think we do it pretty well. <laughs> you do. You absolutely do it really well. Hey, um, Ricardo, so you worked in different teams. You worked at the UCI. You worked in an organization of bike races. Is there one or two techniques or tricks or methods you still use from 10, 15 years ago? Or you go, no, that was all bad and wrong and terrible back then. I just reinvent myself new. And what are the new ways you do this year like, like what's different in the König Quick except then it was in Team Leopard or in that little Portuguese team you were in before what 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 ways did you keep and which ones do you learn new it's a very interesting question and uh, interesting and intelligent question I must say um, first I don't uh, I, I I say life is really all about experience and uh, every job I had, I uh, learned something very important that I still carry today. Um, I do not delete um, anything, if I can say metaphorically, um, but um, I do select what works. You, 
just to be one thing is a structural job and stuff that you know that works with a certain process you 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 elaborate the process and you execute it with that you don't need to waste your brain to think and do it different every time because it's just useless it just works you just use that you have to be creative again when you manage people you have to be creative and all the motivational sides, the training side, the, the drive side, all that you, I remember myself 10 years ago, I can, I could not have, um, the conversations I have today with riders, with staff that I had 15 years ago because I didn't have the experience I have today. And, um, when I was in the spirits business, I was the most shy person you can imagine. And I had to start to sell wines and do business. And I'm not a salesman, but I became. And I understood that to become a salesman, you don't need to push people. You need to be transparent. You need to create a relationship and you need to get trust. As far as you do that and you stick to that, to your principles, things will happen. If you have a bad product, you will sell less. If you have a good product, you will sell more. That's how it works. And that experience there turned to me as I'm less shy now. You know, I can have a conversation with you guys here. And of course, I'm relaxed because we know each other for a long time. Um, but I can also talk for 400 people in a room. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it would be impossible. I would just feel like this. You know, with nervous, but life brought me to a situation to, you know, with everything I lived in these years, in my passion, within my passion. And this is, I'm, I feel blessed to do what I love. That's, I don't feel this as a job. Um, every single job I had out of cycling, in cycling, I learned and I keep learning and I learned with you, Jens, I learned with you, Bobby. I remember assisting the program uh, meetings and I just bring that with me now and I keep, you know, stuff that I learned with brave people and the last brave people, my last brave leaders or guys that were supposed to be leaders and they weren't, I learned how I shouldn't do things. So at the end of the day, you just carry with that big, uh, big, for me, it's big, I think, because I had a, a full life and, uh, and I carry that experience with me. And this is the most uh, sacred thing in terms of my professional, of course, personal um, experiences. This is, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is all what life is about at the end. So, yes, I carry everything that I learned since day one. Well, Ricardo, keep doing what you're doing because you're going to keep getting what you're getting. I mean, you guys have not been one of the most successful or the most successful team for as long as I can remember in terms of points, uh, in terms of wins every year. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. I mean, obviously, you guys have a system that works. And uh, from time to time, you have to tweak that. I totally agree with you learning from people that you work with over the years and, you know, maybe scraping some of that excess off and, and doing it in a different way. 
But um, listen, we've taken up enough of your time. I mean, you're probably sick of being in meetings. It's time for you to go and relax a little bit, go home to your family, have a little bit of an off season. But I know you very well. You're going to be firing up your computer probably tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., getting all the, you know, the, the planning done for the next little phase of to coin it quick step. But uh, thank you very much for coming on Bobby and Jens. It was great to catch up with you. And we really look forward to seeing what happens uh, next year because it's going to be here before we know it. No, my, thank you so much. Tomorrow I'll have the mechanics cleaning service course because that's also what leaders do. And uh, one thing, we won't stand still. Doesn't mean that we will not caring in investigating and pursuing uh, pursuing uh, um, uh, development and evolution. And we have great partners, I must say, um, to work with. So um, I, we also look very much forward for next season, Bobby and Jens. Fantastic. Thanks, Ricardo, for being our guest. It was a pleasure to talk to you, you and I believe we also learned something from tonight's <laughs> talk. So that's all we wanted. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. And a huge thank you to Ricardo for being our guest. Thanks a million for listening. And please give us a five-star review and share us with your friends. The show was a VeloNews production in association with Shock Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne, and this episode was edited by Tim Moza. And please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens. And please share your cycling stories with us. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. One of the most fun parts about cycling is climbing. So why not try Garrett Thomas's athlete workout, Fun is Flying Uphill. A great pillar of any climber is muscular endurance. And believe me when I say, that's what you'll get. Testing yourself on training plans alongside world-class cyclists is what makes Zwift so exciting. I can't wait to show my friends the fitness I built at home. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.